Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. And your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. Twitter at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. People have their opinion. What other falsehoods are out there? A lot of the perception things about us. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. Rebuilds are difficult. Sometimes it takes years and years. I still believe, given a a really good offseason with this draft pick that we have coming and with our ability to to get some veteran players in here alongside these young guys, we we can make a substantial leap. Kick back. Relax. Locked on Bulls starts now. My job is to prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And these guys are men. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked on Bulls, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line at 331-979-1369. Drop us your texts, your voicemails, anything you got for us. You got opinions and thoughts on anything we talked about in the past couple of episodes. Drop us your thoughts at 331-979-1369. Matt and I are back here for a Thursday edition of Locked on Bulls. We have a couple of things we want to talk to you guys about. Matt, let's, I just want to kick it off straight up because we haven't talked about this and it's been floating in NBA circles and basketball Twitter and NBA Twitter and NCAA Twitter. What did you think about this Rich Paul thing? And when it first came out, what did you think? And then now that the NCAA has backstroked completely on it, what was your first initial reaction when they were like, "Yeah, you know what? You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to have a bachelor's degree." And oh, by the way, you gotta come to Indy and sit here and take like a Scantron test in order to be eligible to sign incoming NBA draft potential players. I found it very, very bizarre. The entire thing was just a mess, and it just made the the NCAA look even stupider than they have in recent years when they've tried to to make these moves that are clinging to power and. Uh, you know, trying not to relinquish any of the control that they have over these young athletes and trying to basically, you know, expand their reach into this transition from when they go to being college athletes to being pro athletes and controlling who they can and cannot talk to and who can and cannot represent them. And they're trying to do it under the guise of, oh, well, this is, you know, this is the, the, these young athletes. We have their best interests at heart here because we don't want them to, you know, get screwed over by people who don't, you know, have the proper qualifications to be representing them. But really, it's just about trying to keep that control. And in in so many ways, it is elitist and it is racist um, to and, you know, it's just like, oh, well. I was in the privileged position to be able to have a a four-year bachelor's degree. A lot of people aren't. You know, Rich Paul did not go to college. He actually, you know, funnily enough, he does have an honorary bachelor's from Cleveland State that he got a few years ago. So via a loophole, he actually probably, you know, that that rule would not have uh, screwed him over. However, I, I mean, it's still just so flatly and blatantly racist and elitist. And it's disgusting, and I like the fact that immediately everyone, LeBron James and everyone in tow, called them out for this for being what it was. 
we, well, we don't, you know, we don't want these players to be able to choose their agents based on the inner circle of friends and family and the people that they trust. And we're, you know, we want to keep the power here. We want to keep the power here with these college athletes that we don't pay. And the fact that they reversed it within what a few days of making that announcement, it's just hilarious. It's, you know, it's more, once again proving NCAA's incompetence with figuring out how to keep their power and how to handle these tricky situations. Because, and I said this, we talked about this on our uh, last week's Outsiders pod a little bit. They could have done nothing, they could have just left the rules as they were. And instead, they have this new embarrassment to deal with. It's all they needed a way to get back at Rich Paul for finding the loophole with Darius Baisley. Like, that was the reason. Right. Who was like, I'm going to pay you. I'm, you're going to be a paid intern while, I, you know, I bring you into my agency while you're doing your one and done year before you get to the league, which is brilliant. Yeah. You got a million dollars for being an intern from New Balance, which is it's it's a that's a loophole. But I mean, that's the way it goes. Sorry. I mean, he's working an internship on top of being a college athlete, and every intern I know, if it's offered pay, you're allowed to accept that while you're in college. It's ridiculous. It was like the football player, two from four, the infamous story about him having a YouTube page and making money off of that, and they were going to suspend him and kick him off the team, so he quit. Um, it's crazy, though, that's, that they would come up with a rule like this, and they would think in 2019 people would not push back on this. Like... Especially now, like out of all timing to announce this, too. So you decided to do it now when literally people are arguing about whether LeBron James should be on the floor with his son or not, like screaming and yelling, using four days to do that. Like you had to know that no matter when you drop this, but this was probably the worst timing for the NCAA ever. And this is probably the quickest backstroke on any rule in professional sports. I can't think of anything anything that's been pulled back or restructured this fast the way the NCAA had to restructure this rule yeah I mean I I don't think that there's any way that they can salvage this now um I, I like they and I feel like the clock is ticking because as you know as much we we talked a little bit about um the way that the the NCAA attorney works and how popular March Madness is, uh, on, as part of our mailbag episode, we were talking about maybe the NBA borrowing some of the, you know, tournament, you know, last one in kind of like one game, um, sudden death things to to liven up the NBA playoffs a little bit because like everybody does love March Madness and they make so much freaking money off of that. And I feel like, th- I mean, in, in some sense, everything they try to do and everything, every, every rule change they've tried to make, even just over the last five to ten years, has blown up in their faces. And th- we're, we're now going back to about to be, um, you know, in a, another year from now, no longer dealing with the one and done rule and players being allowed to go from high school straight to college or I mean, uh, straight to the pros. And obviously the big, you know, college basketball programs don't like that because if players like Zion Williamson, if players like all of the guys that go through those blue tribute programs like Duke and all those ACC teams, even Big Ten basketball teams that make a bunch of money, Pac-12 teams that make a bunch of money, if those highest caliber you know top 50 top 100 recruits just say to hell with the you know to hell with college ball you're gonna get me in trouble even if I take a little you know a little perk here or there as a non-paid college you know student athlete or I could just enter the draft right now to hell with y'all I'm entering the draft 
And they like, you know, NCAA knows that that is right around the corner and they're trying to do things to prevent themselves from losing this power over these athletes. Yeah, but I'm they, looking at like, they, they there are no answers. For I know that. as much as you hate the ball family, but look at LaMelo Ball for a second. Like uh, next year, take my talents to the NBL and okay. play for the Illawarra Hawks. Excellent. Over in Australia. Yep. I know his path was weird, but still at the end of the day, the NCAA is like, yeah, nah, you forfeited all of your eligibility. Even even if you went back to high school, you're still not getting your eligibility back. But imagine the amount of eyes that he would draw if he went to US, if he was allowed to be reinstated and go back to UCLA. Like, they're kind of shooting themselves in their their own butt. They want one thing, but then they're like, ah, certain players, yeah, we, we could do without. And I get it. It's the ball family. But still... Uh, to me, this is like this is very strange by the NCAA because I don't know what they're doing in terms of with the NBA too. Because like I would assume the NBA would have a big problem with this, right? Like the NBA and Rich Paul probably have a really decent relationship. Uh, my first call, I would I would imagine that Adam Silver or somebody high up in the NBA offices, their first call would be the NCAA and be like, "What the hell are you guys doing? What what is this?" Um, I, they would have found loopholes anyway around it too. Like th- this rule being put in place, it it was just for guys that wanted to enter and then say they wanted to go back to college. Wouldn't have been able to do that, and Rich Paul wouldn't have been able to rep those guys. It would have been kids would have been like, okay, I'm just not going to go to college at all. I'll sign with Rich Paul. I'll go through the G League and make my way up that way. So either way, I feel like the NCAA was going to lose with this. Yeah, rule. and I think the other enemy. Um, when you're talking about all of these, you know, various arrows pointed at Rich Paul and Clutch Sports, it's not just NCAA. It's the big agencies that have existed for forever who are losing a lot of clients to this guy who came out of nowhere and is a self-made, you know, gazillionaire at age 37 or 38 or however old Rich Paul is. And they're saying, whoa, 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 this guy didn't go through all the proper, you know, steps of procedure. He's snaking our clients. He's not a real agency. He's just like LeBron's pal that started an agency. All of this seems unlegit because players around the league are looking and saying, yo, like clearly like LeBron trusts this guy. Anthony Davis switched over to clutch sports. Ben Simmons, all these young stars in the league are saying there's a reason that Rich Paul is just accumulating all of this wealth, all of this fame, all of this notoriety. And it's, you know, he's getting due credit. Yeah, he operates in ways that some people think are a little a little fishy, a little sketchy, a little, you know, like below the belt, especially when it comes to the Anthony Davis trade rumors and demands and, the, you know, the Pelicans-Lakers situation of this past season, which, like, not that long ago, Rich Paul was one of the most hated people in the NBA because people were so just sick of the Anthony Davis situation and the way that it seemed like... He was just creating these, you know, divisive situations with the Lakers and it was ruining team chemistry on two different teams simultaneously and all this stuff. And now Rich Paul looks like a hero because he's taking on NCAA and he's taking on bigger agencies who don't like that he's snaking clients from them. And it's like, hey, you know what? If, if you gigantic agencies did a better job of making your clients feel appreciated, doing a better job of getting them the max dollars that you can get for them then they wouldn't be coming over to hang out with me at Clutch Sports. There's very, very few people or very few entities in the sports industry that could make Rich Paul seem like the underdog. And this is exactly what the NCAA just did. They made Rich Paul look like the underdog. We're talking about talking about LeBron freaking James's agent. Just start there. And they, the NCAA is like, 
you know what we're gonna make people root for you so i agree with you what you were just saying that is it is it's kind of ridiculous and now everybody's gonna be like all right he's fighting the ncaa we're on rich paul's side so this is a win-win for him but i just found the the rule very bizarre uh but he will get around it uh he'll still be able to sign players next year you probably won't even realize that this this was an issue a year from now because it's going to be exactly the same way it was rich paul's going to be able to sign the guys he wants to sign it's about the ncaa kind of trying to divert i think divert these guys from signing these now internships with these big time companies and making all of this money while still wanting to go play college basketball or just for going college basketball in general to go to the G League or to go overseas for a year. Uh, it's interesting, though. I don't know where this is going to go, but this, something's going to change here. I have a feeling in the next few years, things are going to change between the NCAA and the relationship with the NBA, too. I wonder how this kind of changes things with them, or maybe the NBA was a part of this. I, we're not sure. So um, I'm curious. I'm curious how they're going to deal with this because the NCAA could take a huge hit if top guys aren't going to, to college basketball regularly. You're still going to yeah. get your Victor Oladipos, your three stars, your two stars that make something out sure. of themselves. But you're never going to get those top top 10, top 15 prospects. And yeah, like you'll still have the drama of the tourney and March Madness and everybody loves the drama of a single elimination tournament like that. And you, you know, you do also still want to see the main stars play. I like, I feel like a lot of people who in any given year hate Duke basketball and Coach K and just, you know, like they're the Patriots of college hoops. You hate to see them win because they win all the freaking time. I feel like a lot of those people, and I, like, I count myself among that group. Like, I hate Duke. I never cheer for Duke. I was cheering for Duke through the tournament because guess what? I wanted to watch Zion. I wanted to watch Zion and RJ Barrett and Cam Reddish and all these NBA prospects. If if college hoops loses out on all of those premier, you know, NBA-bound talents, then, yeah, there's, they'll still have the drama of, you know, one shining moment, you know, March Madness kind of stuff and buzzer beaters and all that. But they're going to be doing it on an even lower playing field than they are now, which is not all that respectable, without the biggest stars, which spells all kinds of trouble and a lot of lost dollars for NCAA. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So I figured I wanted to kind of just touch base and talk to you about that because it was strange and obviously rescinded before we could even talk. We could even fully discuss it. Uh, but let's let's move on to the Bulls schedule and the NBA schedule being released overall. Um Real quick side note, though, I know you're not a huge like. I don't know if you're a huge sneakerhead or not, but did you see the uh, did you see the Kyrie's that dropped with the SpongeBob with SpongeBob theme? All five of them. I did. What did you think I of did. them? I did. You're right. I am not a huge sneakerhead, but I did see those. Um, I they're certainly original. They certainly got some uh, some interesting flavor. Um, I wouldn't buy them in a million years. I would not spend money on those. I just have no idea where you wear any of those pairs. The one that you could wear out regularly is the Sandy Cheeks ones. Just because they're white and silver with just like a little hint of pink in it. But the rest of them are just ridiculous colors. I don't know what you wear with those. Uh, but they are pretty cool. I tried to grab myself a pair, and I was too late. So I'll have to go aftermarket if I want to buy a pair. But those are like shoes that you bring out like once or twice a year because literally you can't wear them with anything. The SpongeBob's are bright-ass yellow. Uh, so I thought they were pretty sweet, pretty original too. Kyrie's always have original ideas. He had the Friends shoes before this. Um, he's done a bunch of different things, but I thought those were pretty sweet. But let's get on to the schedule. Let's talk about the first 
30 games. Matt, I know we talk about the back end of the schedule in a minute, but let's talk about these first 30 games because it's going to be a crucial, crucial point for this Bulls season. It's going to tell us if, if we either have, need to have some hope and be a little bit more optimistic or if it's on a path like it was similarly last year. Uh, what I noticed right off the top is the Bulls play their five out of their first seven games on the road. Like, really? First five out of your seven games, you got to play on the road, and the Bulls don't usually play well on the road either. So, well, they also only won nine games at home last season. So it's like that's true. You, that you're coming true. off a that season where you were equally bad, actually worse at home than you were on the road. They won 22 games, and only nine of those were at yeah, home. The NBA was like, um, "Oh, oh, Jim Boylan, you want road dog mentality? We'll give you road dog mentality. Take the first five <laughs> of the seven on oh the road." Oh my god, I didn't even I didn't even think about that at angle. I I would love it if that were true like all right road dog here you go but we got bulls across our chest and uh of of the first four road you know four of the first five you know as you said you know uh five of the first seven before the first five are on the road but all of those are against junk teams you open at charlotte that's true you go at memphis then you're home for toronto for one game and then you go at new york at cleveland i've seen a lot of bulls fans on twitter saying five and oh i think that's nuts i think you could make an argument for <laughs> four and one. I'm undefeated, never lost. And maybe saying, "Well, it's your first home game. They don't have Kawhi anymore. The Raptors, like you can beat the Raptors at home without Kawhi." No, they they start by playing three uh, three games in four days. They're losing one of those. They're, they're, there's no way they're yeah, winning right? all three of those. Three of the first four, they're shaking the rust off. They're not getting. They're they're losing one of those three games, probably to Toronto at home. So that kind of sucks, but. I believe Toronto is also coming into that night as the second night of a back-to-back as well. So, equal playing field. But no, yeah, there's. I mean, come on now. Bulls aren't starting 5-0. and But where do, the, where do you think the Bulls will be at 30 games in? I think they'll be better. It's, it's hard to be worse than what you were last year. But where do you think, what would you gauge as a record as far as looking at the way this team is, how this season's going to go from beyond those 30 games so like 15 like say let's just start in the middle 15 and 15 the bulls are 500 where do you think the path of this team is going should people be somewhat optimistic still thinking about playoffs kind of cool the jets on playoff talk or just not really know what to think yeah so um we talked about this a little bit on a recent outsiders Uh, i said my estimation is 12 and 18 Maybe I could like push that to 13 and 17 in the first 30. Um, and and I, I'm not you know saying that, that they'll be that bad over the entirety of the season. And hopefully they'll get better as they grow and, and develop some chemistry uh, with not only Otto being healthy and in the fold, Lowry and Levine, knock on wood, starting completely healthy. Both of them, Wendell being healthy. Um, you know, getting a hutch back, getting Denzel back maybe, but also the new guys and figuring out how Sadoransky fits in, how Thad Young fits in. It's going to take time for all that to gel. And this is a team whose primary players over the past two seasons of this rebuild have barely shared the floor together. I feel like Bulls fans who are projecting these wild win totals kind of forgot that part, right? That like in the small sample sizes of 17, 18, and 18, 19, Levine, Lowry, Chris Dunn, and then Levine, Lowry, Chris Dunn, Wendell, they didn't share the court together that many times. And when they did, the numbers weren't pretty. So it's going to take some time to gel. And their schedule is not very nice. 
yeah, they play some bad teams out of the gate, but most of them are on the road. And then, you know, they play the Bucks twice in November. They play Houston in November. They play Brooklyn a couple of times. They play they play Portland twice at the back end of November. They play Golden State. Um, like, oh, and then they play Golden State again in early December when you're still talking about, like, that first 30-so games of the season. I'm sorry, but I, I think for the to, to predict the Bulls being an above 500 team 30 games into the season is just it's a little optimistic. Honestly, I can see this team going 7 and 13 in their first 20. I mean, that November schedule is brutal, man. I mean, in, I'm counting all of the teams that I think are absolutely trash on the schedule, like the Bulls beating the Knicks twice. Uh, you're beating Cleveland. You're beating Charlotte probably twice. Um, you're probably losing to Miami, but still, a lot of those games, you're probably splitting some of these series, man, even with these bad teams, too, while the Bulls still try to figure things out. So I wouldn't be surprised if this team's 7-13 and after their first 20, which, like, again, November is freaking brutal, man. Like you just said, Bucks twice, Nets, Rockets, right off the bat, and then Portland twice. Detroit twice, too. I mean... Like, you know, I think a lot of Bulls fans would just count those as wins. Like, not Detroit was a playoff team last year. Detroit kicked our ass a lot last year. You got to hope that the Bulls somehow click early on. If they do that and they start playing some of these better teams pretty close, like if they're 7 and 13, but every game is pretty close, there's no blowouts in there, there's 1 and 2, I'll be pretty happy with that. Like if they're in every single game, they're just not closing games and they're still trying to figure that out, I'm cool with that. Yeah, no no um, more of those 30 and, piece alerts. <laughs> yeah, no more no more 30 pieces. We don't need those this year. Um so that's I, I like that. Let's go to the back end of the schedule though. Um they finish up on the West Coast. Well, pretty much on a West Coast trip, right? They go to Utah, Denver, Phoenix, LA play two games in LA and then they finish up at home against Brooklyn, Orlando, and then they're on the road at Boston brutal. to finish up the season. That's brutal. that's brutal. The Bulls play terrible on the West Coast. Terrible. And this couldn't come at any worse timing, especially if they're hanging on by a thread in a playoff contention or some type of playoff picture for the eighth seed. I mean, I I can't imagine the Bulls coming home from that West Coast road trip with a with a winning record. Can you? I mean, it, it's. I mean, go even back. Go two weeks back from that West Coast trip. Look at who we have to play: Boston, Miami, San Antonio, Houston, Denver, Philadelphia. You get one break in New York, yeah. and then you go on that West Coast trip. I mean, they're they're going. I don't know what's worse: November or that four weeks right there, like the middle of March to the mid, to the beginning of April. It's just brutal. And then you know, you get your last two home games. As you mentioned, Brooklyn, Orlando. Most likely, Brooklyn fighting for playoff seating. Um, Orlando could be a team that the Bulls are fighting for the eighth and final playoff spot with, and that's your 81st True. game of the season. And then you finish at Boston, and Boston could be you know trying to fight for the two seed or the three seed or whatever it might be home court. And I'm I'm sorry, but they're I mean you just look at it face value, they're going one and four on that West Coast trip. So I think even if the Bulls manage to hover somewhere around 500, they stay in the hunt. If they go one and four on that playoff trip, uh, or, or, I mean on that West Coast trip, that that might be curtains for them. Is it disrespectful that the Bulls only have one, technically one national TV game on ESPN, and it's like the middle of January? <laughs> they have three games on NBA right. TV, and they're pretty early on. There, two of them are in November, and the ones in the first week of December. But do you think it's disrespectful that the Bulls are only on ESPN no. once this year? They won twenty-two games, and they didn't have an All Star. <laughs> Like what? I, and Bulls fans were like, I, I was predicting like six or seven nationally televised games. Stop it! But on, based on what? Based on what? 
This team doesn't have any star players yet, and they're coming off a 22-win season. I was not at all surprised to see only one true nationally televised game. But, you know, as... I'm kind of pissed, though, because Zach Levine plays really well on national TV. Stepped up in the Timberwolves game two years ago. Stepped up against Jimmy Butler in the 76ers this past year. Like, he always yeah. gets up for those national True. TV games. So, like, I'm a little bit pissed. So, maybe if they go but, on a, a winning streak here at the beginning of the season, they'll start flexing some of those games. That's what you got to hope for. As Jim Boylan said, though, and I liked this comment from Boylan, he's like, well, you know, they made that decision for a reason. We have that number of nationally televised games for a reason. Use it as motivation. So if Zach feels slighted by that, then go out and prove it. Go out and hire yourself an all-star caliber season. Um, and who knows, maybe if the Bulls are in the playoff hunt and Zach Levine and or Larry Markkinen are looking like all-stars, you might see them flexed into some games at the back end of the schedule. Um but so, you know, just to, to get a sense of how the fan base feels, uh, and I actually I put this up as a poll on our Lockdown Bulls Twitter account, at Lockdown Bulls. If you haven't voted yet, go vote already. It's still up for like another 20 hours or so. I just put it up earlier today. When the Bulls embark upon that April West Coast road trip, they will be A, holding a playoff spot, B, within reach of the eighth seed, or C, already eliminated. So, Jordan, of those three, which do you think is most likely when the Bulls hit the road for that five-game trip starting March 30th at Utah? They're not going to be in the playoff hunt. They'll be out of it. They'll uh, they'll be somewhere in the... You think they'll be eliminated yeah, by March 30th? Yeah, they'll be somewhere 30th. at the beginning 30s. They'll have like 30 or 31 wins by that time. And to finish out those last 10 games, they'll probably win, I don't know, three or four of those. So say the Bulls are probably right around 34 or 35 wins by the time the season's over. I, I think I'm with you, I unfortunately. And I, I hope we're wrong. I hope they are in the hunt. If they are in the hunt by the time we get you know ready for that West Coast road trip, it'll be nerve-wracking as hell. Um, and then also not to mention that, you know, two of those games are the back-to-backs against the Lakers and Clippers who might be resting players like Kawhi and Paul and LeBron and AD and might give the Bulls a fighting chance, but those are both 9.30 tip-offs. The last thing you want to do is starting a nerve-wracking, you know, win-or-go-home kind of late regular season game with a 9.30 central time tip-off. That's going to suck so much. But so here's what the voting looks like so far on this poll. Within reach of the eighth seed has the most votes so far, 53% of the vote. Already eliminated is the second highest with 27% of the vote and holding on to a playoff spot currently when they hit that West Coast trip, the fewest votes at 20%. So the, the overwhelming majority thinks that the Bulls won't be currently holding a spot, but will still be mathematically in the hunt by the time they hit that West Coast trip. Which I think actually makes a lot of sense when you talk about the overarching belief among the fan base right now is they're on the cusp of being a playoff team. So that kind of makes sense. It's all going to be, it's all going to circle back to health. See how Jim Boylan plays these guys in the second half, too, because he, he, like, man, he grinded them down, too, at the end, especially when Zach Levine and Lowry Markinen weren't like 100% healthy. Dudes just got grinded and grinded down and. They were in and out of the lineup all year long, so maybe like hope for good health. I was looking at the bet, the the odds for the over unders for win total. Fanduel right now has the Bulls at thirty and a half. Uh, fan, oh no, I'm sorry, thirty one and a half. DraftKings has them at thirty and a half. I might 
be enticed to put some money on that. I would put it on the over. I think the Bulls are going to win 33 to 37 games this year and be like right there up into the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I think most people would look at that and say, put money on the over. I, I If I were a betting man, I would bet the over on that. I'm not. I'm too scared. And I'm also terrified about injuries. And, you know, that might be a pessimist, pessimist way to look at it. But, what you know, what have we seen recently that leads us to believe that the Bulls are going to be healthy? I, I mean, we, we've seen nothing but the exact opposite recently. I hope with all of, you know, my being as a Bulls fan that we do have that healthy season. But it, it's, it doesn't seem like a huge jump with all the injuries last year and 22 wins to get above 30 or 31. That seems very doable. Seems like a very safe bet. And I, w- I wouldn't blame or question anyone who decides to put money on that. I think if the Bulls fail to take you know to reach the over on 30.5 wins a lot of bad things a lot of bad things going on yeah you don't hit that 30 marker this year something terrible went wrong or someone needs to get fired like that those are your only two options correct looking at the just like the rest of the over-unders there's a couple that pop out to me real quick the Pacers at 47 and a half I would bet the under on that I uh, don't like I love Victor Oladipo, but I'm I'm curious how he's going to come back and how quickly he'll be back to what he was before he got hurt. Um, the That'll Pelicans, they, they did add some nice pieces. I mean, they they lost a lot true. of talent, too, um, but they did add Brogdon. So that's good. Him and they it, added Brogdon. But, you know, they they lost a significant amount of pieces of their rotation from last season. So I was looking at them and I was looking at the Pelicans too. They were, I think they opened up at 40 and a half wins. I would have definitely bet the under on that. They're at 38 oh, and 39 and a half. I think I would still go under so on the Pelicans. So much Zion hype. Yeah, seriously. I mean, and, and it's not just Zion hype. Like the other moves that they've made have been really solid moves in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, they still have Brandon um, Ingram. You're getting Josh Hart. You're getting Lonzo Ball. Uh, so you're getting pieces. And they, like, they added J.J. Redick. Oh, yeah, they did randomly. Like, you know, kind of like one of those subtle, like, you know, day two or three as opposed to day one of free agency kind of moves. But, like, they got some nice talent on that team, including some veterans. Um, so I think it's not just about the Zion hype. I think a lot of people have a lot of respect for David Griffin and the moves he's made since he took over. But even still, it's just a lot to ask for that team with all of those new pieces and a lot of new young pieces to win 40-plus games in the West. That's that's a damn hard challenge. Yeah, that team's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird. I don't know how well they're going to play together. It feels like a lot of just puzzle pieces that they're going to f- have to figure out how that fits. I'm hitting under on that, though. So those would be the two. Those are the three. I think I'm going to put some bets on these. The Pacers, the Pelicans, and the Bulls. I'm going to put the over on the Bulls and the under on those other two. I just can't see the Pacers, man, winning 40, 48 games next year. I mean, that's a hell of a season. I know the East is kind of kind of weak, but still. I, st- I think, didn't Bojan Bogdanovich go to the Spurs? Isn't that where he signed? Or did he resign back to the Pacers? I'm pretty sure he signed with the Spurs. Uh, no, he went. didn't he go to Utah? Oh, yeah, you're right. He did. He went to Utah. I think he went to Utah. Uh, so he went to Utah. So that yeah. was one of their biggest players, too. Once Victor Oladipo went out, he was the, he was the dude. Uh, so that's a huge loss. I know you add Malcolm Brogdon. We already said that, but still, I don't know. I'm betting the under on those. So those are mine. I, I might put some more on it, but I think I'm going to stick with those three. I'm pretty confident with those three. Um, I mean, what uh, 
do you have all of these handy on over unders? I wonder what I wonder what Dallas uh-huh. is, is. I bet it's low. Some people are hyping Dallas forty, 40 and, a, okay. and a half. Yeah, no, that's that's yeah. too much. I was going to say if it was like low to mid thirties, I take the over on Dallas, but forty and a half seems high. I, I love you know must be ask must be thinking Kristaps is coming back in you know, all star Luke form and the right unicorn. Away. And they added Boban. That team's going to be so much fun. Well, I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate it. You can hit us up at 331-979-1369. Drop your texts, your voicemails, anything you got for us. Drop it there. 331-979-1369. On Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up there, too. You can drop a DM for us or just tweet at us, at Locked On Bulls. We'll try to hit you with a response. But for Mac Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. We are out of here. Deuces. Well, first of all, first of all, it's special to hear you actually say you like somebody. I think that's news in and of itself. Congratulations. On, I'm just saying, when it comes to basketball, you don't you don't seem to like anybody as much as you like you. But let me get to this. Let me tell you something. I don't even like you, but I, I like know the fact that you talk crazy sometimes. That's why I'm over you. Actually, you actually do. But I don't like you. actually do. I ain't listening to you. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.